please turn your Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we were looking at the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda, and this whole thing is related to it as we're moving forward. We have dealt with so many truths, and uh, what I want to do is, um, remember Jesus is defending himself at the moment, because the Pharisees you know, got their noses out of joint, because he seemingly broke God's law, but it's actually their laws that were set up, that were in opposition to God's will. And you know, can I just say this? God's law will never oppose God's will. Amen? So if it's God's will to do something, then and if a law is saying something else, then the law is wrong. Something has gone wrong there. Amen? And so, in John chapter 5, verse 22, he says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent, who sent him. Verse 24, and then we stopped here last week. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, so this is another important statement he's going to uh, make. He says, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. I want to reread that again. I want you to notice some things here. He he says, most assuredly, so he's saying, this is a truth. Amen? He says, most assuredly, I say to you, listen to what he says. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me. So he's pointing to his word and the one that sent him. Are, Are you seeing that? All right? He said, he who believes, or excuse me, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. So he's tying himself to the Father now. He's saying, anybody who hears what I say and believes in the one that sent me. In other words, he's saying, you need to believe that I was sent from him. And therefore, the words that I speak are his words. Are you seeing the connection? So that's why he's he's trying to make this connection constantly with them because they keep separating him from God. And remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, so God is right in front of them. But they're trying to separate it constantly. People still doing that today. Anyway, it says, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Now, I've got a lot of commentaries here. <laughs> I've marked a few things to say, but I, I don't know if I picked the right ones. L- let me just pick one and jump into it and see how we go, okay? Um, William McDonald says, This is one of the favorite gospel verses in the Bible. Doubtless the reason for its being so greatly loved is the manner in which it sets forth the way of salvation so clearly. To hear the word of Jesus means not only to listen to it, but also to receive it, to believe it, to obey it. One must believe, not just in God, but that God sent the Lord Jesus to be our Savior. Amen? I I thought that was really good. Let me continue. I need to make one more statement. Everlasting life is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not only life that will go on forever, 
but it is a higher quality of life. It is the life of the Savior imparted to us who believe in Him. I think that's really important. It is the life of the Savior. See, just like the Father has His own life, Christ has His own life. And just as the Father can give life to whoever He wants, so can the Son. See, this is what makes Him God. Everything else has life from God. Do you understand? We all, we all exist because of the life of God in us. But Jesus Christ has His own life. That's really important. And he's, that's the life that He's promising. Are you with me? So we are receiving His life. That's important. And that's why He's able to say this. If you believe in me, you'll have this life and you will live forever. See, he can make that guarantee because it is his life. It's not like he's going to promise something and the father says, no, nah, I'm not going to give him my life. Forget about it. I don't like that guy. He annoys me. <laughs> no, never that. Okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say? You can only promise what you have. If you don't have it to give, then you can't promise it. What's so important about this is that we are talking about Jesus Christ as God and all the things that are in this gospel to show that He is God. Not just a prophet of God, not just a really good guy, but that He is literally God. He's got His own life to give. Oh, hallelujah. And in fact, He's the one that's going to be judging everything. You know, we always think of, I, I used to always imagine, God the Father judging everyone. All the pictures, you know, they had the Father on the throne judging everyone. And this verse, this whole section tells us something else. Jesus is saying, all that has been given to me. Can I put it in a way, uh, now, this is not blasphemous, but please, okay, take it the right way. The Jews, you know, are expecting to get to heaven and see God, the Father sitting on the throne, and it's going to be Jesus. And they're going to go, oh, oops. We shouldn't have crucified that one. That's the guy, right? Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> Somebody tried to tell us, but you know, <laughs> we paid him off and crucified him anyway. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say? This is, this is the startling revelation that is coming through here. That who, the person that's going to be judging on the throne is going to be Jesus. Amen? Remember the Father and He are one. You know, people are still having issues with that. But let's continue. So everlasting life is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not only life that will go on forever, but again, it is a higher quality of life. It is the life of the Savior imparted to us who believe in Him. It is the spiritual life received when a man or woman is born again in contrast to the natural life which he or she receives at his or her physical birth. That's why Jesus says this person shall not come into judgment. Simply because he himself would pay the penalty for everyone at Calvary. And God will not demand payment of the penalty twice. Amen? Once was enough. See, this is, the, again, this is where a lot of denominational thinking falls short. This is where they say, well, it's all about us and how good we are and how good we do when it's all about Jesus Christ and what He did for us 
and us receiving him as Lord and thereby receiving what he did on our behalf so that we're not trying to do it again and duplicate something which we cannot. We can't get 100% on this test. Do you hear what I said? We just can't. I don't care how perfect you think you are. Okay, you can't. This is a test you can't. You are measuring yourself up against God himself. Yeah, well, I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> I can guarantee you, you thought something wrong. How do, I, how do you know that? Because you just did. <laughs> to say you have thought nothing wrong, you've done nothing wrong, you already lied. We done caught you in a lie already. All right, so. Verse 25, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> he says, Most assuredly I say to you, the hour or the time is coming, and now is when the, now he's, this is the spiritually dead, will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those spiritually dead who hear will live. This is important that you understand this, all right? In other words, all that, were alive in the time of Jesus would not only be able to look forward to what Jesus was about to do on the cross, expressed as the hour is coming, all right, but also in a very short while expressed as and now is, enjoy the resulting new birth. So he's saying the hour is coming and now is. So he's saying this, this thing is happening now. What they had been waiting for centuries is finally coming to pass. What was promised in the Garden of Eden is finally happening. Amen? And remember again, he said he'll crush the head. He'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush the head. You can recover from a bruised heel, but you can't recover from a crushed head. It's a little bit, you know, <laughs> fatal, you know? Okay. Verse 26. Yeah, let's go there. For the Father has life in himself... So he has granted the Son to have life in himself. So not only is the Son as great as the Father, but here we see that the Son is also as divine as the Father. Amen? And he goes on to say, And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. I think that's really interesting. He, he says he has given him the right to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Not because he's the son of God, but as man, he can judge man. See, the problem we would have is this, or the problem God would have is this. Man would say, you have no idea what it is like to be us. How can you sit in judgment over us? You're all in your perfect world, and we down here in this mess. Who are you to judge us? Would be man's retort. Do you understand? But what happens when Jesus, who has dealt with all the problems we dealt with. Every issue we've gone through. He's easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he knows. So when we get there and we see him, that argument drops to the floor and dies. Because if we say you have no idea, he goes, do you think so? When were you last crucified? Hmm? <laughs> For doing all the right things. Now then some fellas got crucified doing the wrong thing, but we're talking about for doing everything right and then getting crucified. How would you feel? He goes, man, that's my life, you know. <laughs> okay, never mind. All right, moving on. He says, 
Now you, could, you, you know that the Jews are dumbfounded at all of this. Verse 28, he says, do not marvel at this. All right, that he had the right to judge all men and that everyone was going to be judged on the basis of their attitude toward him, which is utterly preposterous, preposterous to the Jews, okay, and intolerable, really. He says, again, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. Now, this is not talking about the rapture. This is talking about the second coming, all right, because at the rapture, all of us is just going to get zapped up. Suddenly, we're not going to be here anymore. Now, I don't know whether we're going to take our clothes with us, you know. Those people that have seen that movie, I, I don't know whether all these little clothes are going to be lying around everywhere. I think we'll go up with everything. Otherwise, we'll be like, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> you know, when Jesus appeared to them, they didn't go, oh, Jesus, put something on. Yeah, he walked through walls and all. Obviously, he had something on. I'm assuming. Otherwise, somebody would have said something. Peter would have written something. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> you know? So, you know, we, we still don't understand, you know, the kind of power of God that's attached to all of this. Dear Carson writes, the voice of the Son is powerful enough to generate spiritual life now. It will also be powerful enough to call forth the dead then. Oh, I really like that. Amen. Because he can guarantee us eternal life now. And can I just say that same guarantee can also raise the dead up as well. We see this with Lazarus, don't we? That's going to come up anyway. Let's continue, if I can turn my page. All right. So again, he says, For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice, verse 29, and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now, you know... Let me just uh, read one commentary, okay? John MacArthur says this, and I think it's very valid. He says, Jesus was not teaching justification by works. Now, this is really important. He is not saying this is all about your works, okay? In the context, the good is believing on the Son, so as to receive a new nature that produces good works. Did you get that? So the good works he's talking about is the good works that proceed from that godly nature. Not a good work that is trying to buy its way into heaven. But a good work that comes from, I'm already going, what can I do before I get there? How can I thank God for what he has done for me? How can I be a blessing for all the blessings I've received? That's our attitude, and that should be our attitude. It should never be, oh, look, God, I'm doing this, this, and this. So you, you're really happy, right? You're really, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to heaven, right? He's, he's going to look at you and say, you already are. Stop doing all this stuff for that. Can we do it with the right heart? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Not, that, not one that's doing it out of compulsion or of necessity. Have I done enough good to get in? See that scripture in that light. Amen? It's all about, I'm doing it because I got a great, I am so thrilled. I'm so excited. Let me do something. Is what we should be doing. That God receives. Okay. And also he goes on to say, so again he says, believing on the Son so as to receive a new nature that produces good works. While the evil done is to reject the Son and hate the light which has the result of evil deeds. See, that's what he's talking about. He isn't just talking about the things you do, good and bad. He's talking about where it's all coming from and what's at the heart of all of it. 
And at the heart of all of it is, do you receive Jesus Christ? Do you, do you receive him as the son of God? Do you accept him as Messiah? Or do you reject all of that and say, I'll do it my way. <laughs> okay, so sorry about that. Uh, everybody switched off. That's, good. That's it, I'm not watching this guy anymore. All right, so <laughs> this was all brought out. Two chapters before, let me just quickly read those two verses. In John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, when Jesus said, he who, believes in him, uh, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not uh, believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Do you understand? And so they reject the Messiah because they don't want him involved in what they're doing. Because <laughs> that's going to upset what they're doing. They want to sin in peace. Dear Carson gives us further insight into what Jesus meant by those who have done good. By saying, in the context of the fourth gospel, those who have done good are literally good things. Are those who have become, excuse me, those who have come to the light so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done, listen, they have done through God. Did you get that? See, if we're not doing things through God, in God, for God, then we need to question our works. We need to question what we're actually doing. See, <laughs> that's the anointing. Let me talk to you about this for just a minute. We... In doing things in God and through God, for God, okay? As we follow that path, what happens is it's anointed. It's blessed. So that whatever we do, you know, you could be singing Baba, Black Sheep, and he'll have an anointing on the thing. People fall under the power for Baba, Black Sheep. <laughs> it's not the words, it's the God that you're releasing out of what you say. Are you all with me? We need to understand this. That's why, can I flip it? That's why somebody can be up there saying all the right things and have the wrong spirit. And you kind of, and then you, it drives you nuts because you're thinking, that is the word of God, but why am I just feeling something is wrong with this? I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. I, I listen to a lot of different stuff and. Dear Lord, you know, it all sounds good, but something is just going off in your spirit. And, you know, and, and that's God letting you know that's not anointed. That's all intellectual. That's all in the head. It's not in the spirit. And where, can I just say this? If it's not in the spirit, there'll be something wrong with it. Therefore, it, will, it won't work. Just letting you know. Anyway, back to this. Verse 30. Yeah, we're getting through this today, aren't we? Hallelujah. <laughs> Got like 60 odd verses in this chapter. <laughs> uh, verse 30. Jesus uh, continues. He says, I can of myself do nothing. I think that is really interesting that he says that. Now, this is the person that walked on water, turned water into wine. You know, calm storms, raise the dead, everything else. And he says something very interesting. He says, I can of myself do nothing. Now he says, I've got life. I can raise whoever I want from the dead. And he says, and he's got a life that is independent of God. Do you all understand that? Okay, because he says, I've got my own life. 
which is really interesting. But it's really interesting that he came to serve. He didn't come to show off. See, if he came with his own life and did everything, like a lot of the denominationals think, all right, that he was doing stuff just to show everybody off, show off and say, see, I'm God. You better believe me. And then that just leads to all kinds of problems. And it absolves them of doing anything. Because we can't do that stuff because he is God. Who are we? The apostle John screams at people like that and says, Beloved, now are you the sons of God? I won't say what I want. <laughs> okay? And do you understand that every time we, we kind of throw it off and say, oh, it's all God, what we're saying is we're not going to do anything about it. And we're going to blame God for everything that happens. Because sometimes he does and sometimes he don't. Blessed be the Lord. I don't know about that. We have laws about some of the things that they say he does. Well, brother... He didn't actually do it. He allowed it to happen. So let me ask you a question. If I saw a dog attacking a little child, I had the power to intervene. And I didn't. I allowed it to happen. What do you think would happen when the police are investigating? No, I'm just going to ask you this question. Let's just think naturally for a second, okay? What would they say? You were there? Yes. You saw the dog rushing towards the kid? Uh-huh. What did you do? Uh, nothing. I allowed it to happen. Because I want to teach that child a lesson. They will arrest me and put me in jail. Because I'm twisted. I'm sick. No, come on. You, you know, follow me here. You don't think they'd say, oh, that is so good. The child needed to learn a lesson. They needed to be mauled. And we won't do anything to the dog either. The kid needed that. Wow. What kind of sick world were we living in? So how can we do that with God? I don't mean we, but the body of Christ. They say, well, God will allow it. And then God will be with you. I don't want him with me. Are you kidding? He's the one that caused the problem. Or allowed it to happen. You're just as guilty one way or the other. I am making a point here. I need you guys to catch on to this. Because if there's something sick up there that is allowing things to happen and making things happen and then saying, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. That is a sick relationship. You, you know, husbands and wife like that, you want them to get away from that. That's called abuse. And yet we have the nerve and the stupidity to think that's how God is. And preach that and believe that people will swallow that. And then they don't know how to respond to God. They don't know what to ask Him. Because maybe He's the one that did it to begin with. He's trying to teach me a lesson. Have you learned anything? I don't know. The only lesson I'm learning is I don't want anything to do with him. What's your lesson? Can I just say, God is 
light. There's no darkness in him at all. It is darkness that stands there and allows something bad to happen. It is darkness that causes something bad to happen. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. He said, it is the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God built a world that was perfect and gave it to us. And we messed it up. He said, let them have dominion. He said, I'm giving you dominion over all this. And then we messed it up. So he came on a rescue mission to pull us all back out. And the commission still stood. And we're just saying, oh God, you're the one that needs to look after all this. You do everything. And then if it goes wrong, well, God did that. Wow. Seriously? We want our kids to believe that? Let's continue. So he says here something very interesting. He says, I can uh, of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. See, what he's saying now is this. In the same way that he is behaving, he wants us to behave. In the same way that the power that he is receiving and doing things in is not really his power. He is operating in the Father's power. This is really interesting, okay? So he has let us know he's got power. He can do whatever he wants. But he is submitting his will to the Father. This is very important. Because he did nothing until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Which means he could have, but he didn't. He was going to do this in a way that all of us could do it. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Otherwise, this is not going to work. If he does something that is unique to him, then we're not going to be able to follow. He can't turn around to us and say, where is your faith? He, turned around, turn, he would turn around and say to us instead, aren't I great? And you're useless. Thus saith the Lord. Blessed be the... <laughs> okay. You know, we get all religious, don't we? Are you all with me? Everything that he did... And see, this is what the denominationals don't get. They don't see this truth. It's all about God, you understand. And Jesus is trying to tell us, this, I, of myself, I'm not doing anything. So, if I'm doing this then you can as well. I'm not here doing it with my inherent power. I'm doing it with the Father's power, His grace, His strength, all of which you can have. And you know what's interesting? We not only get what God has, but we get what Jesus has as well. Because He says, I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit on top of all of that. You're going to have armor. You're going to have a new, brand new spirit. Something that is perfect before God. That has power like you can't even imagine. You are going to belong to God directly. No grandchildren. Amen? He says you will be the sons of God. You will be the daughters of God. You won't be grandchildren of God. Amen? And so you will be able to walk in all of this stuff. Just like I walked in it. I thank God that he did that in the Father's power. I'm saying the Father. I want to say God, but you understand what I'm trying to say here, don't you? Okay? 
Isn't it incredible? I think, thank you. I think there is something huge about this. What happened? What happens if you could have done anything you wanted to, but you didn't? You only did those things that your father told you to do and gave you the power to do. One time he shows us what he's capable of. Mount of Transfiguration. <laughs> and they go, oh! And he shone like the sun. Amen. They saw him the way he really is and what he could really do. And he put that back in the bottle. And said, go back down the hill. Because there's a mess happening down there. Anyway. All right, so, dear Carson again says, Once again, it is the very submission of Jesus to his Father. His unqualified commitment, not to please himself, but the one who sent him, that guarantees that all he says and does, even on the last day, is completely in accord with the Father's will. Amen? Therefore, when the Jews are finally judged... Jesus guarantees that it will be righteous because as judge, he, unlike the Jews, whose ultimate aim was to please themselves, was only interested in pleasing the Father. And that should be the desire of every single one of us and what we continually strive for all the days of our life. Amen? Amen. Well, the next section begins in verse 31. And we're going to talk about the witnesses concerning Jesus. I'm going to leave that for next week. Okay, that will take us to verse 47. And then there's one more section after that, and we're done with this chapter. All right, hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we just thank you, Father, that we see some tremendous things here today. We see that everything that Jesus did, he did in obedience to the Father. And so whatever he asks us to do is nothing more than what he did. It is the very same thing. And so we just thank you, Lord, that we learn from him. And whatever he did, therefore, we can do. Because he did it not in his own power. He did it in the Father's power. And that's what we have. That's what we receive. The armor of God. The power of God. Hallelujah. But we also receive Jesus Christ into our heart. And have his life. No wonder he said greater things than these will you do. Because I go to the Father. Hallelujah. And I just thank you Lord that we get that revelation. That we have power. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We have power from everywhere. Hallelujah. And that instead of looking to shift all the responsibility and all the blame on you, God, that we take that responsibility. And we take the blame when we mess up. Hallelujah. That we become mature children of God. That we look to you for everything. And that we know that the power comes from you. And whatever power that is building up on the inside of us, 
that we need to come to you first with anything and everything that we do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, because you only have our best interest at heart. And we thank you for that. We love you, Lord. In your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, Amen.